We are in the second week of our Begin series. It's, a, it's appropriate for the month of January as we begin this new year. But of course, the subjects are detailed and um, hopefully you've taken some time to rehearse and review last week's application of the word. We, we begin with the word and of course, it permeates our life. And tonight I would venture off into this, this massive um, topic of relationships and, and there are so many uh, avenues of this and aspects, I could not exhaust all of it, uh, even in, in uh, many nights of teaching. We understand that our relationship with the Lord is, is critical. If that is right, if our walk with God is correct, then it offers us a pathway to have healthy relationships with one another. One of the things that, that the modern age has lost, and that is the human touch and the... I suppose it would be the demand to work out a relationship. If I just took this in, in, in just a, a bite-sized uh, perspective, when, when it took a long time for people to travel from place to place, they tended to be uh, confined to one geographical area. And because of that, they joined together in, in various places. They were common places. A school, um, a grocery store, a meat market, a church. The county square, the public place. And everybody had knowledge of one another. They, they knew one another. If you can find it a little bit more, there weren't as many churches, and so there were less options. And so if you had an issue with someone in your congregation, you were by demand, uh, you had to figure it out, and you had to work it out. And there are scriptures that speak of this, that if you have ought against the brother, that you go to your brother and that you work these issues out. Today, there are so many options that people would rather not work those things out. And because we now have uh, so many other um, ways to operate, um, we, might, uh, we might not have this interaction. People communicate via texting and internet and social media. And that becomes uh, cold. It's a cold transaction. The human touch, the hug, the looking in someone's eyes. And so we've lost something 
Yes, we've gained convenience and we've gained the ability to have a, a mass communication, but we've lost intimacy in relationship. And what we've lost cannot be recovered through any social media or any, um, or any venue of technology. A one-on-one -on -one conversation. The disciples sat at the feet of Jesus and they heard him teach. But they also felt his heart. They saw his expressions. The tone of voice doesn't always come through on a text. Thus, we have an emoji to help us with emotion. That doesn't always work. Um, and there's something that's lost when there's not a verbal communication face-to-face. -face. Because I, I could have something humorous to say, and you know that, um, not just because of the tone of my voice, but because of my expression. Or I could have something serious to say, but you may not know that unless you saw my expression. And so relationships have been damaged through the years. In fact, they're so damaged today that many people have, have learned how to have a dysfunctional relationship with friends and family. And it, it permeates their life even with God, where we don't really know how to have a good relationship with God. You have to understand some of the parables uh, offer us the heartbeat of the Lord. For instance, when the prodigal came to himself and he looked up and said, the servants in my father's house eat better than I'm eating. I will go back as a servant. But when he came back to the father's house, the parable declared, the father did not welcome him back as a servant. He, he never accepts anyone back as a servant. And the prodigal didn't have to pay a penance for what he had done. Instead, the father was prepared. This is the relationship, the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to understand that very well unless we, are, we, we understand the scripture and we understand what we're doing right now. And learn to have functional, healthy relationships between us. And that's why this moment is very important. It's not just what the teacher is teaching. It's how the teacher is teaching. It's the feeling that we have. It's the emotional connection that we have. And I'm so grateful that we have a live stream. We, we did this really by virtue of a lady named Janet Jenkins, who was one of the great ladies in our church who had leukemia. And, and we had an iPad one Sunday and someone held it up so she could kind of see uh, like through a FaceTime. And that's when I pulled the trigger and said, OK, we'll 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 go live stream because Janet Jenkins, Sister Jenkins needs to see the service. But that's a devil-edged sword. When you're sick, some of you are watching from home. You couldn't get here. And some of you are traveling. I'm so glad for that. Um, I'm glad for people to, to be able to view what's happening here when you can't come. In fact, when we're on vacation or I'm somewhere around the country, I'm tuning in as often as I can. Because I, I want to stay connected to the body of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't replace the emotion and the feeling and the spirit that's in the church. You can almost feel it when you're watching. And 
I'm so thankful for our media. I give them a hard time. Uh, and they, they need that too, just to counterbalance their profundity. But, um, but I, I will say, there is something about you and I just looking at each other. And, and sometimes I'm walking around and I'm just putting my hand on someone's shoulder. And I'm, I don't know what it is, but sometimes the Lord just gives me an insight into your spirit disposition just by the human touch. The relationships are so critical, and, and I'm not going to exhaust all of it, but I, I want to just submit five, uh, and there's many, many more probably, but five uh, major large banners, large subjects of relationships. And these are areas that I think we, we need to work on or at least review. And in some cases, you need to know this up front. And the first area of relationship is, is the marriage. So we're looking at, these five areas of relationship. And first, it's the marriage. I'll give you the key verse here that, that the Lord spoke of, which helps us. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The word cleave is the only word in the English language which is his own antonym. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing. It means to divide and, and, and to embrace. This is what happens in, in the relationship. And really, this also pertains to the bride too. You, 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 you divide away, you leave mom and dad, and you, you join and cleave to your husband, your wife, your spouse. And for this cause, this is the marriage, and they too will be one flesh. And so they're not two anymore, but they're one flesh. And then this is what the Lord said, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Marriage is, a, uh, is the bond between a man and a woman. It is the example of Christ and his church. So Jesus is spoken of as the bridegroom. The church is, is related to the bride or the bride of Christ. Marriage is a, it's a temporal, earthly uh, allowance which won't be found in heaven, and you don't have to start shouting and applauding now, but you will not be married in heaven. It's just something here. And it is for uh, the exampleship of the church. I, 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 uh, we're moving on. We're moving on. You had a moment, but it's gone. And, and the, the proper marriage uh, must be centered around Jesus Christ. I've said this many times, but and, and I, I didn't know too much about it, but I, I remember my sister braiding her hair. And when she got done with her braid, it looked like there was two strands of hair that was falling, uh, falling down. But actually, it was three braids. It was three, three strands. And that, that third one, I believe, uh, held the other two together. You, you, couldn't, you didn't know which, which was which. But that's very emblematic of, of, of Jesus Christ in your marriage, in, in your relationship. And, and the reason why is because you have to have the Lord in your marriage for it to have strength. Otherwise, you're relying upon ingenuity, your, your intellectualism, 
maybe your the things that you like together and and if you're only relying upon that, I'm not saying that marriages can't last without God. They many have, but but for us, we we operate under a different uh, a different set of of laws. We we operate by the law of Jesus Christ. Now you can say, well, Pastor, I'm not married. Okay, so let me just help you with preparing for a marriage. Number one, we have a we have a little uh, a little book that I that I wrote called So You Want to Get Married. I, I promote this, So You Want to Get Married. If you're interested in getting married, before you, before you do that, you should read this little book. And, it, and, and it's, it's not long. In fact, it's just a little pamphlet uh, handout. And So You Want to Get Married, it, it kind of tells you the proper procedures. Now, it's not going to tell you about the commitment level. It's not going to talk to you about, about what marriage entails. It just means these are the protocols of the church. One of the reasons why I promote one year of courtship is because you're about to make a 50-year commitment. <laughs> and, and if you've never been married, you don't know what you're going to get into. And now if you want to marry, you should marry someone who has a like passion of Jesus Christ. But if you think marriage is going to help them, that's the wrong reason to get married. If you think they're going to get better after you're married, you're probably at your peak while you're, while you're, while you're engaged or courting. Hopefully not, but, but there's a lot of complications because, um, because there's a, it takes a lot of submission, forgiveness, understanding it, in, in, a, in, a, in a healthy relationship. Now, I, I, I want to tell you that that there are, there are multiple areas uh, or attributes in, in every one of the five that I'm going to list. And I'm, I'm going to skip down to these attributes and their particular commonalities. I call them commonalities. These are, these are the tenets and they can be applied differently, but they are all relatable to each of the five areas. Uh, there are four of them that, that will attain to all five areas of relationships. The first area is proper communication. The second area, the second tenet is boundaries or appropriate, proper boundaries. The third is respect or honor, respecting or having honor. And the, and the fourth is time or a pri, uh, priority, um, uh, a hierarchy of priorities. It's, it's driven by what you think is important. Now, I want to go back to the first relationship because... The marriage is, is a commitment that has to be taken very soberly. And that, that commitment is critical uh, to the health of the church. And, and there's, there must be communication in, a, in every healthy marriage. There's there's good communication, honest communication. One of the things that helped Tammy and I when, when we were dating, courting, was that we lived a thousand miles apart. That was a great blessing. Because we had to talk. <laughs> I wrote letters and cards and and there were a lot of words. I had a lot of words to say to her. And she would send me a card, a Hallmark card, a Hallmark card. 
with her name, Love Tammy. <laughs> and we were learning right off the bat that, um, that I was going to be expressive and she was going to engage the people at Hallmark. And um, the next blessing for us is that when we got married, we basically lived in my Nissan Altima for five years traveling around the country. And I drove 365,000 miles as we evangelized all over the country. And when you're in a closed environment like that, you learn what to say and what not to say. I learned right away, maybe in the first month or two, that she could say whatever she wanted to about her family. But I could not agree. <laughs> there are times when you ought not say amen. No support needed. Proper communication is critical to a healthy relationship. And it doesn't matter what your feelings are when you begin if you don't have good communication on a daily basis, every relationship is going to struggle. Now, there's a whole bunch of uh, there's a whole bunch of aspects to communication, and people communicate in different ways. But the marriage is a, a, a building block. It's it's a building block of the church. It's it's God's intent uh, for the body. And that doesn't mean that, that, that the church doesn't embrace people that are single or, or people that elect to be single. In fact, Paul said, I wish you were all single like me. I wish you all were not married like me. But because you can't control yourself, you better get married. And so, uh, so this was his perspective. And, and, um, and of course, he was anointed of the Lord and wrote most of the, uh, of, the, of the books in the New Testament. Of course, almost everything we know about marriage comes from a man who was not married. So surely this had to be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This, the second part, the second tenet of this, of this relationship is, is called boundaries. And you have to have boundaries. Every relationship needs boundaries. And in a marriage, you have to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries around your marriage. Um, I, I, want to, I want to warn all of you who vacation together, who camp together, whose families go, uh, go on outings together on a regular basis, you better put some boundaries around your relationship because you can open up and start saying things out of familiarity that will damage the church and your life and your marriage. And I've watched this happen many, many times and I've, I've spoken to Dr. Hughes many times and, and it starts with little things and, but it always has one, one common trait. It's people that are familiar with one another. And so if you don't have a boundary around your relationship and your marriage, uh, you're, you're setting yourself up for disaster. And there has to be boundaries in a marriage because you need to protect that. And that, that marriage needs to have time and space. There may be times when, when this is impossible, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, there may be times when, when you can't do it. Who knows? Someday we'll all have to you know, we'll all have to get a sleeping bag and, and make cots on the gym floor. But if it's possible, it's good to live alone with your wife or with your husband. 
Because two families living in the same roof is a strain on both families. Oh, man. Okay. Let me just, since that went over really heavy, let me just stay right there for a second. You have to have, um, you, you, you have to have some privacy in your relationship because you have to protect something that you committed to. And there are various boundaries. I, I won't go through all of them because we don't have the time to explore all the boundaries of a, of a marriage. But, but, but the marriage is critical because you've made a vow between you and God. Um, my wife and I, we have, we have to be right together. And, and if she'll stop making me mad, see how that went? See, you saw my expression. You, you, if, if you're just listening online, you don't know if that was a joke or if I was serious. If you think I was serious, please get down and start interceding right now in Jesus' name. So it's important that her and I have a proper relationship. Because it doesn't matter what I preach here behind this pulpit or what happens in this church. If Sister Tammy and I are not right, everything's off. Do you think you can fool the, the, the spirit world? You cannot fool the spirit world. You can fool one another, but you can't fool the devil. The seven sons of Sceva said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? So the spirit world has, has an obvious recognition of what's happening even when other people can't see it. Uh, I'll need a, a handout. Uh, if, someone has, if someone could give me a handout. Um, if, if, if you, oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll pay you for that later. You have to, hope, do you have another handout? Okay, good. Um. In this, in this particular vein, the next part is respect or honor. You know, one of the great reasons why people have troubles is because they don't respect one another and honor. And that happens in a marriage. I, I'm, I need to move forward. Time and priority. The time and the priority has to be spent. And uh, we're all very, very busy. But if you're going to have health in that relationship, it has to be time-oriented, proper-oriented. Um, the second part of a relationship and, and building uh, is, is called a friendship or an acquaintance, the friendship. I'll, I'll read the scripture. The Bible says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing. It's important that a friendship has proper communication too. Let me tell you, every good friend, every, everyone who has a good friend will also have strife in that, uh, in that friendship. Because the Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron. That means that and so, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So it's, it's grinding off a rough edge. If you have a friend who always agrees with everything you're saying, and, you, and, and, and you're never challenged. Sometimes a friend has to challenge you on certain things. A, a friend doesn't let another friend walk around with 
a bad spirit or a bad attitude. And, and so it's a sharpening of the friendship. And so a proper communication is that you help your friend by lifting them up. You might, you might even disagree from time to time. Or you might have an obvious uh, uh, a difference in something. You're not a friend if, if you're letting your buddy walk around with toothpaste on their lower lip. If you don't like them, let them just walk around looking like that. But if you do like them and they're a friend, tell them, hey, you know, you, you, you obviously brushed your teeth vigorously. And it shows. If you're a friend, you let them know what's going on. Now, not everybody wants that. And so not everybody has a close friend. In fact, in your lifetime, if you have two or three close friends, real friends, you are very, very blessed. These are people who can speak to you. They can talk to you. They may not always agree with you. And you're sharpening one another. And you have a, a proper communication, a communication that, in, that entails uh, realism, pragmatism. And there's also boundaries around that friendship too. There are some things uh, that you can speak to a friend about. Uh, but maybe not, maybe not everything. But a friend understands. A friend uh, lifts you up. A friend covers you with love. A friend gives direction. You have to develop a friend. If you don't have a friend, the Bible says, show yourself friendly. Now, if may, sometimes people don't want to be your friend. They, they like you, but they don't want you that close. So find someone else. Keep trying. If you keep striking out, keep working at it. Surely you'll find somebody. Or if, if you have a problem with that person, that person, that person, you probably have a problem. So you have to go back and look at yourself in the mirror and say, what do I need to change so that I can develop close friends that love the Lord that love God. Uh, it, it's interesting to me. Years and years ago, we were we were leading some young people, and we could be in the in a in a group of three thousand people. And one of our guys, uh, he had a little drug addiction going on, and 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 in a in a, in a group of three thousand, he could in. Before the night was over, the first service was over, he could find that other person who had the same uh, addiction. Just gravitating towards one another. It's amazing. It's like it was a big flag, you know, uh, going up. And, and I would just say on the other side, if you're devoted to God and you're sold out to the Lord, some of the best friends I ever made was when I was serving in a church and when I was serving and, and doing the work, I found good friends while I was doing that. There's also a respect for your friend. And friendships entail honoring and respecting them. And knowing perhaps their downfalls or their inconsistencies. Maybe even places where they're struggling. Uh, but you respect them enough not to always expose everything that they do or they say. Let me just tell you, people often want to speak um, everything that they hear, but you're not a good friend if you're telling me something that has been said about me, but I can't do anything about it. If you come up to me and say, well, pastor, I spoke to someone, they really hate your guts, but I love you. Thank you. You're not a good friend. I, now I have bad feelings about but what someone said, 
The friend protects that. You put a hedge around us. You know that there's going to be a comment somewhere along the line. Um, and it serves no purpose but to, but to invoke ill feelings inside of me. And while you think you're doing wonderful because you got to proclaim your loyalty, the opposite happened. I want to know, why did they think it was okay to tell you how bad I am? Little sermon called No Vacancy. You ought to look it up. <laughs> Solomon wrote this. I'll paraphrase and find appropriate language. We have a sister. She's not yet grown up. If she is a door, we'll enclose her with boards of cedar. But if she be a wall, we'll build upon her a palace of silver. We have a generation. If they're a door, everything can come in and out. We can't do anything. We can't build anything on that door. We'll just enclose it up. We'll just make sure it's tight, it's shut, it's done. That's all it's good for. But if she be a wall, if the generation, if the church is a wall, strong, strong, resolute, we'll build a mighty revival upon that congregation. Amen. And of course, the last is time. Friendships take time. If you have a Facebook page, which I do not, and, and Tammy has a Facebook page, I often um, uh, decry them and, uh, and make fun of them uh, uh, just because it, it, it uh, seems reasonable to do that. Uh, I, I know that's, that's here nor there. It's not, there's, no, there's nothing inherently wrong with me doing that. Um, there, uh, I support myself in, in making fun. But I'm just going to tell you, you don't have 500 friends. I don't care how many people you think you have friends. You don't have no thousand friends. Yeah, you know, 150, 200 friends. I don't care how many people say you're friends on Facebook. Facebook friends. That's confetti. It don't mean nothing. They're probably not coming to your aid. And if, if you ask for a prayer request and you have 500 praying hands... And I want to repeat this again, because you need to know this. They didn't start out as praying hands. That was a high five emoji. Some of those people are not giving you a prayer request. They're high fiving you. Whatever. So I, I, I want you to know, if a real friend takes time, it takes a dinners, coffee. It takes sitting at a table. It takes talking. It takes listening. That's a real friend. And we need to develop friendships. And if you don't have friendships, it means you're not prioritizing the time. Let's go now to number three. And number three is business. You got to take care of your business. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. I, I, like, to, I like to just zero in on this because this is an expansive verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. And so there are many other verses that talk about business. Now, I'm not talking about you owning your own business. I'm talking about doing work or doing business. If you're an employer or employee, you're in business. You're doing business. And there has to be honesty in business. 
and there has to be respect in business. And, and there has to be a boundary in your business dealings. Um, and you have to give your best at work. Let me just say to all of those that are in the working years, or you will be in your working years, you should work as unto the Lord. Because as you work, you're a reflection of both the gospel and the church and the name of Jesus Christ. If you have a hateful boss, you can win them over. But even if you never win them over, you have to think, number one, I'm a child of God and I represent the Lord. The, the, the people who have cut my hair, hair through the years, I did not give them a tip based upon their performance. It, the waitress, whatever the waitress does or the waiter does, it doesn't, what they're, what they're doing for me, my tip has no reflection upon their, their service or the quality of their service. I tip them based upon my walk with God and upon the reflection it has on the body of Jesus Christ. I don't think that as a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, we should hold everyone to a standard outside of this building based upon how good they do for us. We should be thinking about how good God has been to us, and then we should share that goodness with people who may be undeserving. Amen. And, 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 and whatever business that you're doing, you should measure out the proper weight. There should be, there should be a proper weight. I, I'm, of course, I, I, I can get down to the weeds uh, and talk about uh, the thousands and thousands of hours that have been lost in business as people play around and goof around and, 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 and all of the hours lost uh, uh, by virtue of, of video. People... Uh, People are working jobs, but there's so much of the time that they're not working and they're taking advantage of their employer. And there's employers that, that are taking advantage of their employees too. And we understand that, but there's got to be a proper weight and, and adjust weight, adjust work and, and adjust pay. That's a delight unto the Lord. Let me read the next verse in Proverbs 12, 11. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. If you can work, you ought to work. If you're not disabled, and for whatever reason, you, you just, you can't do it. There's some physical problem in your body. Then, then that's what we, that's, that's the safety net that we're afforded in this country. But I'm looking at a whole host of people. We all need to work. And I, I know where I'm living. I know what era I'm living in. So this may be a little old-fashioned to some people. But I believe men ought to work a job. If your wife is, is profound and, and she's a neurologist and, and, and she can pull down the big bucks and you can only make a minimum wage, you still ought to work your job. Amen. Because you were designed to work, men. You were designed. Ladies, if, if, if you're afforded the opportunity to, to work a job, praise God. That's good. But let's all make sure that we're working. And we ought to work. And, and what's happening in America right now is we, are, we, have, we have turned the page. We are far past the meridian into socialism. Socialism is, has infected every area of our life until now. 
it, it literally costs people to go to work. They lose more in benefits that the government's given them um, to go to work. And, and they're making less. They're bringing home less in benefits and salary and wages than they, than they would receive if they were working jobs. This is, this is, uh, is going to work to our demise I can't, I, I can't influence everybody in the world, but if I can plant a seed in our minds, we work to support the kingdom and our families. That's, that's what we do. We work to support the kingdom and our families. <laughs> I feel it's a little heavy with that, but, but here, there's got to be, there's, we, we've got to respect and be thankful for what we have. Now, some people think they have to wait until they get the job that fits their personality or their passion. I never felt that way. I thought it's nice to have some money. <laughs> and I didn't care if I was shoveling uh, gravel or, or if I was digging a ditch or if I got to put a suit on and enter a cool air-conditioned office. It was all the same to me. I, if, if you haven't seen Mike Rowe's small video where he talks about how that we've been lied to, that the world tells us to follow our passion, that's not, that's not what we're doing here. You bring your passion with your work. Amen. Because if you're following your passion, your passion might lead you into oblivion. And um, I think it's important for us to to, to resist and stand up against the vain philosophies that the world teaches us. Your job may not be everything you want it to be, but you ought to thank God that you have it and then work it with all of your heart and do the best you can because if you are faithful in a few things, he'll make you ruler over many things. Amen. Ooh, I feel like I am so counterculture right now. I, this whole thing is like, I don't know. I think you're with me, but I don't, but maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of sound deadening here. I know I'm, I know I'm already speaking against everything that the, that the school and the, I, and, and the colleges and all the media is t- talking to you about. I already know that. But I'm not in compliance with them because I don't answer to the media or to society. I answer to God. And you do too. We all answer to the Lord. Amen. We've probably squandered more than most people in the world have ever attained in their life. I'll go to number four and it's family. Oh man, family. Well, we're all learning, aren't we? Communication in a family, proper communication. Scott and I got into a, a, a fight one day and we were throwing a few things and I think the sugar bowl got thrown, mom. And mom and dad always made us quote scripture, memorize scripture after every fight. I know a lot of Bible. You thought it was because I wanted to go to the ministry. It really was because we had to memorize verses after a good argument. That night was the night I, rem- I, I memorized. Grievous words stir up anger, but a soft answer turneth away wrath. 
Yes. And the sugar bowl met its demise. Proper communication in a family is critical for all of us. And fathers and mothers can demean their children. There are grown men today that are trying to outlive the negativity that their fathers cast upon them. They wanted to be affirmed, but their dad said, you won't amount to anything. And now these men are grown. There are some men that are still fighting against the words of their deceased fathers and mothers, and it has distorted their lives because proper communication wasn't exercised inside the home. The home also has to have boundaries. Those relationships have to have boundaries. Have you ever heard the phrase, talking outside a house? Yes. That means that if, that if your mom and dad have an argument, you don't tell all your dirty laundry. You don't talk about everything that happens in the home. Now, if it's illegal or immoral, of course, you go to your proper authorities. But we ought not be sharing all of our home business. Everybody doesn't need to hear about your latest disagreement. (laughs) There needs to be a boundary on your home. And on our families, there has to be some boundaries. And that doesn't mean that we're all closed up and, and we're not expressive and we don't tell good stories and maybe we don't tell examples, but, but there ought to be some discretion. Let, let me just go back to that because within, within, number four, uh, within number four lies number one, marriage and family. And so um, I, I've never have, had ought to demean my wife. I've never had ought. But if I ever did have an issue with her, I'm not telling you that I married a bum. And if she walked around and said, yeah, I don't like my husband. Well, you're the dummy that married him. And it's really, it's really heartbreaking to hear people talk bad about their spouse. And it's really heartbreaking to hear children disrespect their parents in front of other people. It could be because within the boundaries of the home, which there are none, possibly, there's not proper love and communication, forgiveness, kindness, and discipline. And so it's important. No wonder why young people and children are not respectful to elders and, and, and those in authority if there's no respect in the home. And I'll repeat this again. Please don't be embarrassed about what your children do in public for what you allow them to do in private. Within the family, there has to be honor and respect. And when there's honor and respect, then it permeates the entire atmosphere of the home. And the home needs time. It needs proper time. It needs, it needs time for communication. It t- needs time for a Bible study. It needs time to talk about the Lord. The home, it's important. I, I, I added this scripture because, and there's so many scriptures, but I had to zero in on a few. And this is Proverbs eleven twenty nine. He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise. Don't bring unnecessary trouble to your own home. It's okay. Don't compare your home to other homes or your children to other children. That's unfair and that's, that's inappropriate for you to do that. 
a functional and a godly home strives for peace. Now you can say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I've strived for peace. It hasn't happened. Well, then all I can say is ask God to help you because nothing can fix uh, uh, the home but the Lord and your effort and your continued effort. As we move ahead in this time, the church is going to be filled with, with homes, dysfunctional, broken homes, divorce, divorce rates very high. The church is going to be filled with people who have a lot of baggage, and that's okay. This is the place where they need to be. But it's also the place where we learn how to have a proper relationship with our family. Let me just speak to the extended family. I, my mother-in-law is probably my biggest fan. Uh, she might be watching tonight. If, if so, Mom, I love you. Uh, Mama Norma. And she's sweet and she's short. And I like, I like her just that way. I can hug her and look down on her. And, and she's not a big hugger, but I, I, I know that. So I just hold on to her as long as I possibly can. So she starts patting me. So, okay, 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 okay. And when I have a disagreement with my wife, and she has a dis- disagreement with, with me, we don't take it to our in-laws. A lot of damage has been done because you can forgive him, but your mom and dad might not. Uh, we're not, of course. Now we're not talking about immorality, and we're not talking about infidelity. Uh, we're talking about basic issues. We're talking about basic disagreements. We're talking about when Tammy makes me mad. Th- these are important moments because there has to be a boundary around your home and around your family. There has to be some boundaries. Let me just lay this out all through the church, people that are here and those that are not here. There are different standards in every home, and not every home has the same standard. Some homes allow movies to be watched that other homes would never entertain. (laughs) So you just need to make sure you know that wherever your children are going, that the same standards are higher, are met in that other home, even though they attend the same church. Young people, let me just tell you, because you're going to develop a family, and if, you're, if, if, if you've not been exposed to proper relationships and, and a good standard, that doesn't mean that you have to succumb to the lowest denomination that you grew up with. You set your standard higher and better than what you've learned. It's important for you to do better than the generation before you. That's even true in finances. You should be doing better because you've learned from, at least from observation. You might say, I don't know how to do it, but that's not the way I'm going to do it. You don't have to condemn where you came from, but you can do better. And you need to do better. And when you become used of the Lord in the venue where I'm at, I want you to preach better. I want you to do better. I want you to, I want you to rise higher. I want you to have greater understanding. I, I want everyone to, to do better tomorrow than they did today. It's critical. It's important that we have this. And the home must have a boundary. And that means that within that home, this communication, this, communi- this, 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 this 
conference-type communication, this respect and honor has to be given. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Let's go back. Husbands, love your wives. (laughs) How? As Christ loved the church, he died for the church. So when you're ready to die for your wife, it's going to be real easy for her to submit to you. But if you're not ready to die, don't be quoting the scripture because you came first. Amen. This is so great. I'm just amening myself. Keep on going, Jeffrey. They don't like it, but you're almost done anyway. <laughs> uh huh. Here's the problem that we're in. We're in a world that's so out of order. It's like an infinite loop. And subjectivism has taken over. And the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord has been cast aside. And now what are we in? Every man is right in his own eyes. Someone was talking to me the other day and they said, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm about to do something. I, I'd, like to, I'd like to know what you think about it. And I said, well, are you asking for an opinion or direction? And I said, well, yeah, I just want to know what you think. And I said, well, wait a second. Wait a second. I, I don't have time to share opinions. <laughs> but I can give you direction. Now, do you want direction or do you want opinion? Because if it's direction, that means it's coming from a place of authority. If it's opinion, go ask your Facebook friend. Because <laughs> I ain't got time for that. Now, if you want direction, I'm going to give you direction. But then you're going to be held responsible for the direction I gave you. Now, if you want an opinion, well, there's a lot of forums where you can have opinions. And then when you get done with it, you can just flush it or wipe it away or discard it. But I I don't have time to do that. I've got to set something in order so that we can have a functional life. I've been around Pentecost all of my life. This is what I know. I, I breathe it. I eat it. I love it. It's my heritage. It's my life, my desire. And I've watched people speak in tongues and then go home and cuss like a sailor. I'm going to tell you, that's a dysfunctional home. That's a dysfunctional person. I've watched people prophesy and know all the cuss words and their syntax. It takes a little bit to know where the verb, adverb, and syntax is when you're using these things. And a good cusser knows how to appropriate them in the right place. Where one word could be both adjective and, and a noun. But what's wrong is if you're speaking in tongues on one day, but by the end of the week, you've already used all of the, the foul language. And you think nobody knows, but the spirit world knows. And the devil knows, and you've got no power. You just have form and tradition. And we take all this stuff, and we shout, and we worship, and we're going to, and we're going to speak in tongues. But if, if there's not purity and love... And boundaries and honor and respect on Tuesday and on Friday. Then, then, we're, then we're out of order. And then we're not developing the proper relationship that we need to have. Amen. And finally, number five is the lost. A relationship with the lost. We have to have a relationship with people that are not saved. Whether they're prodigals or maybe they're just unbelievers. And to do that is not always 
um, inviting them to church. Maybe the first step is just inviting them to coffee. Develop a relationship with them. Because if you win them to you, it's a lot easier to win them to God. Do you know why I know that? Because Ruth had no interest in Jehovah. She loved Naomi. And Ruth said to Naomi, wherever you're going, I'm going. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And wherever you die, that's where I want to be buried. She's a Moabite. And the Moabites are a lineage of perverse people. And Ruth has no idea. She's never been in the realm of the Hebrews. She's never sacrificed. She's never seen worship to the one true God, Yahweh. She doesn't know him, but she knows Naomi. And she says to Naomi, I love you. I'm devoted to you. I care about you. And Naomi said, well, come on, honey. Come on. I'll introduce you to the God of all gods. I'll introduce you to Jehovah. Come on. And from that came a relationship that now flourished, and you're going to find her name in the genealogies of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Why? Naomi is not mentioned, but Naomi is critical, and she's pivotal to the introduction of Ruth. And the people that are going to come and make a huge difference in the kingdom, they may make a difference. Your name may not be mentioned or written, but you're going to be the one that introduces them to Jesus Christ. How did you do it? Because you developed a relationship with people through love and kindness. You developed, what was the relationship? Jesus looks at Peter and he's ready to call Peter as one of his disciples, but Jesus knows. The way to get Peter is not to ask him to do a spiritual work. Instead, Jesus says to Peter, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter says, I've already, I've already been fishing. I know these waters. I, I understand this. I'm a fisherman. This is my sea. This is my turf. But because of what you ask, I got this little inclination I'm going to do what you said. And he cast his nets and he brought in, it, the, the draught was so heavy. And when Peter realized what had happened, he recognized that as a miracle and the voice of authority. And that's the moment that Jesus then called him to be a fisherman, a fisher of men, and not just the common trade. Because before some are called to do a work for God, there has to be a tangible blessing, a connection and that's where the church comes in. How about a relationship? Communication. They don't know it. But when I go into the same place, I have a motive. I have a motive. I have a motive for the lady that cuts my hair and a lot of the other guys in the church. I have a motive. We're talking about the Lord. We're talking about the church. She's telling me about one of the men who came in. And I'm saying, oh, that's a great guy. Man, they're wonderful. You should, you should hear them. My motive is to reach them. We're developing relationships with these people. We love them. We know that if we develop relationship through proper communication, listen, there has to be a boundary in developing the relationship with the lost. I cannot be influenced by them. I've got to control the atmosphere. I got to know. 
There are some places I can't go to develop a relationship, but other places I'm going to go because I'm reaching the lost. I have to know that if I'm going to honor God. I've got to realize the, the commission of Jesus Christ to go to teach, to baptize. That's the commission of Jesus Christ. My respect for the Lord drives me to reach people that are not saved. And finally, we're going to have to spend the appropriate time to reach the lost. I want to ask you not to pray that God would let your light shine. In fact, I'm on the verge. I'm not quite there. I, sometimes I do ask the Lord to lead me to someone, but I, I know intuitively that I should just go to someone. Sometimes if you're asking God, Lord, just lead me to someone who, who wants the gospel. How is that working? How about you just ask someone, how you doing? Is there something I can pray with you about? Developing the relationship. Because if we don't, then we're, 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 putting the, we're putting the burden on the Lord and not, and he's already given us the commission. So that's why we have to spend the appropriate time. It takes time to develop a relationship with people that don't know the Lord. It's easier for us to have church and an apostolic demonstrative worship service when you have developed a relationship with a person that's sitting next to you. Because if you have a relationship with them, we can just get going and, and you, might, you might need to explain to them what's happening in the service. But if you don't have a relationship with them, they'll walk out. There's, there's, a, there's a couple in this town many years ago. Tammy and I were gone and, and, and there was an explosive service that happened. And that couple never came back because that particular service, everybody was repenting and praying and were crying and and they just thought, this, this place, these are crazy folks here. They never came back because the people that invited them never developed a relationship with them. And now I still see this guy, and, and, and he's cordial and kind, but he thinks we're all just crazy, and half of us are. But, but it's, the, the problem is, we keep saying, why don't you come to my church? Why don't you come to my church? How about you go to their lives and get invested in what they're doing and then you develop trust until finally they say, listen, I don't know who your God is, but I want your God. I don't know what you've got, but I need what you have. And that way, you have the authority to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Amen. These areas of, of relationships, and there's many more, but these areas of relationships are critical to our understanding and, and our thinking and if you'll just work on a proper communication and boundaries and honor and respect and give things the appropriate time, uh, priorities in life, um, it'll work on your behalf. You'll, you'll develop strength and confidence and then also security. I, I don't speak tonight um, from, a, 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 from a suggestion. I, I speak from, uh, from a directive, I suppose. Um, because I do know that if we all become unified and get on the same page and start reaching people personally, uh, then really there's not going to be any room in this auditorium for the people that we're connected with. 
you might even be connected to dozens of people that right now uh, you can influence to, to serve the Lord. But you're going to have to make an effort to do that. You don't know who's watching you even now. You don't know how many people are viewing you, watching your actions, watching what you're doing. Our lives have gone, we're going to have to get focused. And the focus is going to have to be on the harvest. There's a couple prayer requests of the Lord. I used to think there was one, but I found another. So I'll say one of the prayer requests of the Lord. And I grew up with, with prayer service, prayer request service. And does anyone remember prayer request service and testimony service? The prayer request service and testimony service were very, they were, they were alike. They were very similar. People could talk. It was an open forum, open floor. We learned about people, the things that we never wanted to know uh, during testimony service and prayer request service. We learned history. We learned where the infections were. <laughs> well, I poke out my mind's eye. <laughs> uh, I pray for so-and-so because uh, they did me dirty. <laughs> that was not a really good prayer request. But uh, Jesus had a prayer request. He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest because the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Jesus said, here's his prayer request. Pray ye, here's the prayer. Pray that there would be laborers because there's a lot of harvest, but there's very few that will go out and, and work the harvest. Here's my prayer request, that all of us would become laborers of the harvest. There's thousands of people, thousands of people. And you are the laborers in a massive harvest. Come on, let's take the time, make it the high priority of our lives. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. I was doing this all Monday and Tuesday. I was doing it all day Monday and Tuesday, texting people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Texting people everywhere. Some people were even here and I was texting them. And they said, Pastor, I was there. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. I'm just texting everybody. If you get a text from me, you just tell me, Pastor, I was, I was on the third section, the fourth row. And, and if you were here, then you better tell me what kind of suit I was wearing. No, it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> call somebody and invite them. Let's fill this whole thing up with people. Let's fill this thing up with people that need the lost. I need, need the Lord and they're lost and they need God. Please tell me we won't spend the duration of our life hearing a preacher preach or a teacher teach and never reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, we've got to find everybody we can. Go get everybody and bring them in. And all the people said amen.